In the following live session recording, Monique Johnson, director of Thrive, First Baptist Church, Woodstock, Georgia, talks about nuts and bolts of special needs ministry. Do you have a ministry to children with special needs at your church, or have you considered beginning this type of ministry? In this session, the listener will learn some of the basic things your church can do from someone who has a heart for special needs ministry and has the experience to help others. Let's join Monique now. I was given the title and had to kind of figure out, okay, what does this mean, the nuts and bolts of special needs ministry? And so there's three things that we're going to go through, and that is the who, the why, and the how. Now, I was a um, little people's teacher. You're going to hear me talk about little people a lot. I like to say little people, and then there's big people, right? So I was very comfortable with little people. I did that for 16 years. And so when God starts to stretch me, and I was in this position, and people started saying, okay, you got to talk to big people. I was terrified. The first time, I was just like, oh, my goodness, this cannot be you, God. I thought it was someone else talking. But I have learned that when you talk about what you love and what you're passionate about, it just makes it so much easier. So I'm just excited to be here because I know and I pray along with a lot of people that you are here on purpose. And God has been stirring something in your spirit and I just pray that I can help you with that tonight. Um, This is my family. So she was talking about our children. So we have Faith is the oldest. First of all, let me start over. I went to a date night training last night. I was supposed to start talking about my husband. <laughs> so, let me start over. My husband is AJ. <laughs> We've been married a little over 17 years. And then we have Faith, who is 16. She's in 11th grade at Etowah High School. We live in Woodstock. And um, Hope is 14, and AJ, or Anthony, or Maurice, we call them all his names, is 12. And I just did a crazy thing, which I knew God was telling me to do, and I pulled the two youngest out, and I'm homeschooling. So I work full time, and, and I'm doing a co-op, so don't, I'm homeschooling, but not, yes, I'm doing a co-op, and I'm so excited. It's called Living Science, and it's a phenomenal place. And the funny thing is, is that the kids came from one of the largest middle schools in that side of Georgia. I think they're almost at 2,000 students. And I'm not in the homeschool mindset, so we went to the family interview, and she was like, oh my goodness, we have so many ninth graders. You're just adding to this class hope. And we're all like, oh no, did we come to the wrong place? And she was like, we have 20 ninth graders. And I was like, okay. Do you know and then my son, one of his English, she was the English teacher that was interviewing us, and she was like, you have four in your room. Oh, wow. And I'm just excited. And so to add to our family is the plus two. We have Frisky and Little Bear, and they keep us busy. And so that's pretty much our busy family. Um, again, they haven't even started school yet. One starts the 26th, and one starts September the 3rd. So it's just a little bit about me. And yes, I was a teacher for 16 years and I personally nothing against teaching I love teaching but I felt that I was giving them everything but what they really needed and that was Jesus and I was like is there another way for me to do this and I had the opportunity of going to First Baptist Woodstock and being over kindergarten first and second grade and special needs because at that point a lot of times just like here we're going to work through that special needs is under the kids ministry when special needs is so many ages and it can be so I, after we did Tim Tebow, Night to Shine Prom that first year, we started to talk and we, I had to kind of negotiate and pray and write some things out. And after about $170,000 later, 
we have an entire suite that we use for our ministry. And the cool thing about that, too, is that I was terrified. I am not SPED certified. You know that when God calls you for something, you know that sometimes you don't have all those things, and you're like, what am I getting myself into? But you still feel that. You feel that this is what I'm supposed to do. And I remember thinking one time um, about it and just saying, I don't know if I should do this, even though I really knew in my heart that it was what I was supposed to do. And he told me, I, when I graduated in 98, um, I'm from Alabama. If you can't hear it yet, it'll come out. So I'm from Alabama, and when I graduated, I moved to Georgia, to um, Atlanta area. And my first teaching job, when I started teaching, was a co-teaching with a special needs teacher. My first job, out of college. And he said, I've been preparing you since that day. And that gave me the passion to go above all my fears and to do what it is that I do today. So, again, we're going to talk about the who, the why, and the how. Alright? And so you have a PowerPoint. Feel free to take notes. Anybody need a PN or anything? Okay. Now, another thing about what I've learned is that I, first of all, yes, just like I said before, I'm not qualified. I don't feel like I am. I'm never ready, but the Holy Spirit stays ready. Okay? So, in order for me to teach, any class that you take from me is going to come from Scripture. And I'm going to show you that because that's how He's teaching me, and so I'm going to use that to teach you. So we're going to look at Mark 2, 1 through 4. Alright? So it says, A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. He preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralytic or a person who was paralyzed. Remember, though, there was a crowd. There was a lot of people. But only a few men carried this person. And to be specific, it was four of them. And it said, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof, right? And, above, and it was above Jesus. And after that, not only did they make an opening, they started to dig through it. They lowered him down on a mat where he was lying, right? And it says, when Jesus saw their faith, not just the man on the mat, but all of them, when he saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Lynch, I already said that, so to the man that was paralyzed, <laughs> son, your sins are forgiven. All right? So we're going to use this scripture to talk about the who, the why, and the how. And I'm going to show you what that means. All right, so the who. Some men came bringing to him a paralytic. Carried by four of them. That was the who. Now, we're going to talk about something that was shared. I have this passion about something. I like to wait. I'm sorry. Alright, so we're going to look at some stages. And I've already, sometimes when I'm talking to people and I'm reading things, I can hear different things about these stages. But we're going to talk about why these stages are so important for what God is stirring in your spirit. The who. The who. Now, when you're talking about the who, there are five stages. The journey of disability attitude. So I'm going to wait until you get it, and then we're going to talk about it. All right, we're going to start on stage one as soon as everybody gets it. Now, the first thing I want you to do as we're reading through these stages, I want you, without raising a hand, without telling me anything, you're going to identify where you are. This is very important. 
Because if you don't understand what stage you're in, it's going to hinder whatever God is doing in your life and stirring about special needs. So I'm just going to read part of it. So stage one is ignorance. This is what someone in stage one might think. Weaknesses and disabilities are a sign that God either does not care or is not able to fix the situation. In fact, they may be a result of sin or a lack of faith. God is not involved in the life of someone with a disability because he cannot use people who are so broken. Stage one. Now, even if it's not you, I guarantee you, you've probably had conversations with someone, especially if you're at a church and you started bringing up this whole idea of special needs ministry. You have some people who will tell you, that is not for us. That is not what we're going to do. Or they're just afraid because, again, it's nothing wrong with being in stage one because the goal is not to stay in the stage. That's the point. Stage two, pity. I feel sorry for people with disabilities. It's too bad, really. I'm going to skip down a little bit. People with weaknesses and disabilities obviously need someone like me to help them and give them meaning. Due to their troubles, I really don't see any meaning or purpose to their lives. That's stage two. Okay? So you got stage one, ignorance. Stage two is pity. All right? Again, you're identifying where you are, and guys, there's nothing wrong with that. Because again, the goal is not to stay where you are. But it is very helpful to identify where you are. All right? Stage three, care. Like me, people with disabilities were created in God's image. Sounds very good right there. By that virtue alone, they have value. I hope that someone will take the time to show them God's love. Sounds good at the beginning, but what is, where at this stage they're saying what? It's Somebody someone else's just... job. Okay? Someone else is going to do it. A lot of churches are at this stage. Because they recognize that this is a people group, this is a mission field, but we're just going to let another church do that. All right? Here we go. So, stage four, friendship. I have come to know and spend time with a person or a friend who has disabilities. This person has value in God's sight, but also in mine. And I know that my life is better for having known this person. And as much as I have helped her, she has also blessed me. Okay? Friendship. Stage four. But here's the goal. And this is where a lot of us are not. This is a different way of thinking. And this is not mine, but it, when I first was given this, I know it was sent by God because it sums up so much of my passion and so much of why I'm an advocate for special needs ministry. Stage five. Co-laborers. This is a different way of thinking. If God has called each of us to serve and praise him with every fiber of our beings, then he has done the same for our brothers and our sisters in Christ with disabilities. I think ministry should not just be to people with disabilities, but with or alongside people who have disabilities. That is different. Because you have a lot of churches who have a special needs ministry because they care, but a lot of them are babysitting. They're not teaching those children or those students the word of God because they are not in stage five. Stage five cannot happen if they do not learn their value, just as value as you are, your value and their value in being disciples. Now, is it going to look the same way? No. 
But I guarantee you, if you've ever been around someone with special needs or if you've ever been involved in the ministry, ministry happens, even if they can't talk, if they can't see, if they can't walk. It could be a smile, a hug. It is just genuine. Ministry happens. Moving to stage five is where your goal has to be. The tricky part of that is it can't just be for you. Once you start to move in those areas, everybody's serving with you, everyone in the ministry and the entire church has to have, they have to have the same idea about why you're doing ministry. Because if you don't, if you're not on the same page, if you're going to struggle. And I can tell you, we still struggle where we are. We still struggle. Okay? So, what I just asked you is personally, what stage are you on? You're not going to say it out loud, but I want you to identify where you are, and I want you to pray about how do I move. And I can tell you from experience, you're only going to move through personal relationships. If you're standing back watching, or if you're standing back hearing about something, but you're not in there interacting with someone, you won't move. You're going to stay in the same stage. Okay? Collectively, what stage is your church on? So any of you in here already have a ministry kind of going? Any of you have total buy-in from your head pastor or lead pastor? Okay? That's going to be, we're going to talk about that in a moment, but that's where it has to start. Because no one else really is going to listen if they don't feel that the person who's standing before them speaking is not sharing that. But I can tell you a lot of lead or head pastors who are doing that and supporting you, sometimes they're still not at stage five. They could be at that care stage or that friendship stage, but they don't truly understand why you need those budget dollars, why you need staff. Most people I meet, I have the great opportunity of only leading special needs ministry. Most people I meet have four and five other jobs. They're doing preschool, elementary, special needs, because there's still not people understanding the value of that ministry and how it needs to be focused on. You need someone focusing only on that ministry. Okay, the why. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, the crowd, they couldn't get him to Jesus, there was a crowd, so that was the why. Now let's look more at the why. When you're looking at the why, why should I have a special needs ministry? We're going to talk about a few things here. Just talking along, turn my page. First of all, the Great Commission. We've heard of that, right? Mark 16, 15 says, Then he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Preach to who? All. All creation. Preach to who? All. I'm going to have to have you interact because you're going to go sleep. Preach to who? All. Right. Now, did it say they must be able to talk? Nope. They have to be able to walk? Nope. They have to do, They can't run around the room. If they can't sit down, they cannot hear the gospel. Right? Did it say that? Nope. No. That's not what the Great Commission says. All right? The next term that I use a lot, and it's not mine, I've heard it from other places, is the accessible gospel. When you're talking about the accessible gospel, you're talking about being able to be reached, right? How is it, how is it able, how is it, what was I saying? How is it able to be reached by those who are blind? Think about that for a moment. How can someone who's blind know about the gospel, know about the story from hearing, right? Have you, ever, have you ever been somewhere around someone and say they're blind and they come in with a stick? Have you ever seen someone go up to them and say, hey, do you need something? 
Yeah. Have you seen that before? Yes. <laughs> like, uh, <coughs> I did not say they could be here, but it's almost like we instantly assume that, right? We instantly assume that there's just so much they cannot do. And depending on what stage you're in, you might think, oh, they need me. If they don't have me, then they're not going to succeed, right? Depending on what stage you're in. The accessible gospel. How can it be reached for someone who is um, nonverbal? They don't talk, but they can probably hear. hear. Okay. Now, mm -hmm. and if they, if you're teaching the gospel and they're nonverbal, right? And you're going over a story, what could you use? Pictures. pictures, right? You can use pictures. They can be a part of the gospel and learning the gospel just like anyone else, just by you taking the story and using pictures. Now, how awesome is it for this individual who's nonverbal, who is the goal is to be a co laborer, has a picture of Jesus, and they are at Walmart? Picture of Jesus. And if they're not saying anything, or they have a picture of a cross, maybe. That would be easier. And they have a cross, and they're just walking around showing people. Is that being a disciple? Is that sharing the gospel? Is it maybe like I'm doing it? No. But your mind has to change. A lot of times we think that if it's not done the way we do it, then it's, you know, we struggle now. We have, we have some individuals. We baptized about two individuals. And I can tell you that was a struggle at first because some people were expecting if they cannot tell us back the gospel the same way that we gave it to them, then therefore they don't get it. maybe they shouldn't be baptized or they can't be saved, right? But God did not design us all the same way. He did not. The next thing about after you move from the Great Commission, you want to make, this is the why again, why I have a special needs ministry. Okay? The next part is you want to make the gospel accessible. I remember telling our congregation, I was like, it's like having the best kept secret and you're keeping it to yourself. You know what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ in the midst of all our flaws, all our mistakes, all our pains, and you don't want to share it. That would be the worst thing, right? All you got to do is figure out how do I share it? How? How do I share it with someone who's blind? How do I share it with someone who has autism, who continues to move constantly? And not everybody, but some of them do that. And guess what? We have a lot of teachers who they have to rock and roll. You got to move wherever where they're going. You just follow behind them. Just keep going. So that's another reason why you should have the special needs ministry. The next thing is relationships. That's what I was talking about a moment ago. You have to give genuine opportunities to build relationships. Because if you don't do the relationship part, then number four won't happen. Even the friendship, even if they're on stage three, building a friendship, for all of you all who have friends, I'm guaranteeing you all that there was some point when you had to build a relationship. You didn't just say, oh, there, you, like you walk down the hall right now and see somebody for the first time and just say, hey, friend. You think they might run if you act a little strange or if you run up to them and hug them like you've known them forever. There has to be a point of relationship, right? And then you move to the co-laborers. That's the why. The why. The Great Commission. You've got to make the gospel accessible. You have to present opportunity for relationships because our goal is to get all of us to stage five so that they're a disciple. 
There are discipleships. There's, there's discipleship happening, and there are students able to share the gospel in their own way. Okay? Now, the how. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus. These are some very, I mean, they were trying to do what they felt they were supposed to do. They were making the gospel accessible. There was a crowd. Have you ever thought about that? There was a crowd. Think about your churches. Some of them may be smaller than, I know we have different sizes, but let's just think it's Easter. Everybody comes straight on, right? So it's Easter. So there's a crowd, right? A crowd. That means lots of people. First of all, they should be in there listening to the word of God. Most of them are probably professing to be saved, right? So why was it only four? Think about that. Why was it only four people having to tear a hole in the roof? Why did people move and let them come in if they saw him, them carrying them? Think about that. They're, think about it. These were people learning the gospel. These were people who were following Jesus. And remember, it says Jesus was teaching the word. So they were in there listening to the word. A lot of times we're listening, but we're not being. Right? And so they had to cut a hole in the opening in the roof, dig through it, lower him down on the mat in order for him to get the gospel. Now, the, the how. Let's go back. So with that, are you willing to dig through? Hold on, let me go back. Starting a special needs ministry or relaunching, because we're going to talk about that, or launching, relaunching, starting, praying about it. Starting a special needs ministry is like making an opening in the roof, digging through it, and lowering someone down in the midst of a crowd with the goal of getting them to Jesus. Think about that. Starting a special needs ministry is like digging that hole in the roof. That means you're going through all types of things. You're going through people who are doubting. You're going through people who are telling you we can't do it. We don't have the money. We don't have the space. What's the purpose? You know, we just don't, we can't do it. That's like digging in that roof, what you're thinking about doing. It's not going to be easy is what I'm trying to point out. It's like going through that crowd of people who are doubting, all right? Maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to dig through the roof. So let's get deeper into the how, the how. Now, what I want you to think about is three things. Prepare, share, establish. Prepare, share, establish. Ready? Prepare, share, establish. You ready? So prepare. Now, what if you are, even if you already have a special needs ministry, or you're doing a buddy system. I've already talked to a few people who have people who are shadowing the students and going out into the ministries that you already have. We're going to talk a little bit about that too. But if you are just at the beginning, anybody just at the beginning where they're just thinking, this is what I think I should do, okay? This is what I feel God is kind of calling me to. How many people are already in a full buddy system? Okay. Um, how many of you are just like, I think I sat in the wrong class? I, okay. Um, so, Observe the current environment. Observe it. Observe what's going on. Okay? Have you noticed any complaints about some students from preschool or elementary or even middle school high? Okay? Have you heard some screaming lately? Some seen some people running lately. You know, observe. Observe. Even if you are already active in it, someone was saying a lot of people when I talk to them the first time and they tell me they don't have a special needs ministry, they'll say, This is because we don't have anybody in our church. Observe long enough. Okay? They're there. Not only are they in the church, I guarantee you they're right around the church in the community. 
So many of these families do not go to church. There is so much of an opportunity for outreach that you don't even believe. If you, once you, once you establish this, and we're going to talk about why it's so important that you really build a strong foundation, they're coming because they're there. Okay? So I want you to observe your current environment. I have to put pray there because you have to pray. You have to pray about every single aspect of the ministry. Again, if you're already doing it, and I just showed you these stages, you're going to go back thinking a little bit different, I'm telling you. Because a lot of times the ministry is not set up to equip them to be disciples. That is not what we're doing in most of our churches. Most of our churches, we're just taking care of them long enough to let mommy and daddy go to worship, go to Sunday school. So this is a different way of thinking. Different way of thinking. All right? I want you to tour some other ministries that are already doing what you're, what you're praying about. All right? A lot of people come and see us. I am in Woodstock, so someone just told me, we're five hours away, Monique. I can't come to you. But we, I do tours usually on Thursdays. I had to kind of put it on one day because it was happening so much. But some people like to just come see it. It's hard to do it on a Sunday, but I'm open to it sometimes. Usually we're so busy, none of us are really available on Sundays. Um, but I do have a video, hopefully it will play, that you're going to see a little bit of the ministry. But tour, I went to, I, my favorite number is three. So I went to three different churches when I first started praying about this. Even before I went to the pastor with the vision, I went to three different churches. So some smaller than us, some bigger than us. And I can tell you, when I say connect, I still talk to those ladies all the time. We actually have a network and we get together quarterly. We go to lunch because you will need support. Only a special needs ministry and a special needs ministry leader, two or, two or three of them are going to know, am I really insane? I was like, is this real? Like, they're only going to be the ones to understand you because everybody else is like, what are you talking about? So it's always important to tour, but connect. Be intentional when you go. And now the last thing for preparing, you got to write it all out. Okay? Keep a notebook next to your bed. Once you start praying about this, it's going to come to you in the middle of the night. Anybody do that already? Things come to you and you're over there writing. Sometimes I can't read my handwriting in the morning, but you know you're over there writing. It's going to come to you. Write it out. And when I say write it out, that ministry card right there that's sticking up, on the back of that card, I want to show you what I had to write out. This one? Yes. Mm -hmm. I'll keep talking while you give them one. On the back of that card... Most of you, if you haven't done this yet, that's why we're going to talk about relaunching in a minute, is you should have a verse that leads your ministry, a verse that gives you strength in, okay, when all else fails, this verse helps me remember why I'm doing this, okay? And I want you to look at what verse God gave me. It's on the back of that card. Because that's the thing. It's not just for me. You have to put it on something where everybody can see what you're saying, okay? On the back. So turn over where you see all the writing. Then you want a clear purpose statement. What is the purpose of your ministry? What's the purpose of it? The purpose statement can't just be, you can't just teach it. It has to be caught. You have to form it. Don't do two or three sentences or a paragraph. It has to be short, sweet, and exactly what God gave you. Okay? Not only is this on a card, but I can tell you, because I, the goal is for everyone at our church to catch this, it's also on the back of the, all the shirts that we wear. And it's in a shortened form, so you can catch it even better. So once you have your purpose statement, I encourage you to have it somewhere where people see it all the time. First of all, we chose this really bright green, so when you're walking down the hallway, it's very noticeable. And the main point, we leave out like maybe three or four words so that it can be a little bit faster to see it. But your purpose statement, 
is what you're going to use to stand against all the doubts. That verse is what you're going to use to stand when people tell you this doesn't make sense. Right? And so you have to make it where it can be caught, where people can do it, they can see it. And I'm going to show you something else. And it probably comes from the fact that I was an elementary school teacher for so long, but usually I'm a little extra in trainings. But I'm going to show you how I help every volunteer catch our purpose statement, okay? You can come up here with me. All right, so I'm going to show them first, and then they'll get it, because it's real simple. So remember, there's three parts that we focus on. That is partnering with families, build relationships, and create an environment. There's a lot to that, but really quick, there's three things everybody has to remember in our ministry. So it's really simple. Partner with families. We're going to go down. Build relationships, and we're going to step out and open up. Create an environment this way. So come back, I'll show you. Partner with families, go down, build relationships, and we're going to open up, just step forward, and create an environment. Oh, y'all almost got it. Come on, one more time. Ready? Oh, y'all grab me this time. Partner with families, build relationships, and create an environment. If someone's doing that in front of you all the time, you think you're going to remember that? Yes. Thank you, guys. She's clapping for us. Did you like that? And so I joke with the volunteers all the time because I tell them they wear their shirts all the time. I encourage them to. And like we're on spring break, we do fun things where how far can your shirt go? So wear it when you're in Florida, wear it when you're somewhere else. So they have to send us a picture and they get to go to the treasure box, that kind of thing. So I said, if you're in Walmart and someone says, what is Thrive? I want you to just grab them and say, partner with families, build relationships, create an environment. And they're going to be, yeah, that's a special needs ministry. <laughs> Are you sure you're volunteering? <laughs> but I tell them, that's how your vision that God gives you for this has to be. You have to be able to catch it. People don't want to just, real, okay, mm, that sounds nice, oh, okay. It has to be a part of your DNA. Every time you open your mouth, I promise you, I talk about it all the time. And the environment part is key because the environment is not just our suite, it's our entire church. It's from the time they get out of their car, from really the time they pull up in their car, what do they, what do they experience in the parking lot? Because in the beginning of this, I guarantee you, we had some situations where they would come down the hallway and people would do this. And yeah, we took care of that. We worked with some of the hospitality. We talked to, we, I did some training with some of them. Because even if you're nervous, you still say, good morning. How are you? And you look at the person in the wheelchair. Don't just talk to the person who's pushing them, that kind of thing. So that, I said all that to say, you're preparing. This is all part of preparing. I'm just talking. What did I do with my clickers? All the way over there. Sorry. <laughs> all right. Now, the preparing part is so important because now the next, the next step is you're getting ready to share. I just talked to someone at the table out here. Um, God is so awesome. Everything is just strategic. Nothing's coincidental. Everybody you start talking to in the bathroom, in the hallway, I'm telling you, it's all God's timing. So I'm talking to her, and she just took over the children's ministry, and she's a little weary right now because um, some of the things that are going on. But I'm telling her, you've got to make this prepare part clear so that that helps you stand. When everybody's saying, well, what are you talking about? Why do you want to do it? You know what I say? Partner with families, build relationships, create an environment. And I may have to explain it a little bit, but I can say it just like that. That's very important because now I want you to meet with whoever your immediate person is over you. So at that point, it was my director. She was not happy, even though she acted like she was happy, but she knew that I was possibly going to be leaving that ministry and going into another ministry. But I, I shared the vision with her. 
Then she actually, not me, I didn't go over her, she scheduled the meeting with the pastor. She felt what I was saying. She understood that passion behind what I was saying. But this was after God had to, to firm me up and say, okay, Moni, you can do it, by reminding me about that teaching thing. Then I went to some professionals. I talked to some doctors who majored in autism. I talked to some people who were OTs and PTs. This is what I'm thinking. Because one of the things that's really neat in our suite is that when I first got ready to design it, I was thinking like an elementary school teacher. So we had a kindergarten room, a first grade room, whatever. That's not my favorite way of teaching. Anybody's teaching, I'm just telling you, those rooms are overstimulating. So what happened, and God brought me back to, is now we have a Bible room, we have an art room, we have a relaxed room, we have a music room and a playroom. They clearly communicate expectations. And I'm going to teach tomorrow on how you do that, even if you don't have $170,000. So, but I went to the professionals and I said, if we make these students transition every 20 minutes, we do 30 now, is this going to work? If I put this bright yellow in this Bible room, is this going to work? Because they were professionals. I didn't have that knowledge. And God reassured me on that part, too, when he told me I could do this. He was going to give me what I needed. I just needed to go and do what he told me to do. Then I talked to some volunteers. And this because I was already in another ministry. And I started talking about, you know, what do you think about this? Sharing that vision. Sharing that vision with some other people. Talk to some parents. The cool thing that I just told the young lady upstairs, the ministry leaders, and I got this from another um, director of special needs. So for the first month or so of my position, after everything went through, pastor agreed, I spent that time meeting with every ministry leader in the entire church sharing that vision. I met with those who were over finance because I knew our parents might need help. I met with those in middle school, high school, pre and one-on-one, -on -one, not in a group. I met with them one-on-one. -on -one. The first thing she told me to do is go to them with the mindset of how can I help you? How can I come alongside you? And this is what we're thinking about doing. How can we work together? I spent the first month or two meeting with all of them. I sent out an email and I said, hey, I just want to meet with you. I just want to share what's going on. Because at this point, we're getting ready to relaunch the ministry. Let me back up for a minute. This ministry had been there since 1993 with a parent and her son, and they were taking care of a few others, and they were burned out. Every Sunday, they were there. And so when we got to this point, we, were, we decided we're gonna, we didn't have a suite, they started in a room like this, and then we went downstairs to maybe two rooms, and then eventually we have the whole suite, okay? But before I did all of that, I talked to the ministry leaders about what I was gonna do. That's a very important key. I don't know if you're at a church where everybody kind of is in their own ministry, and it's separated, or if you're in a church where there's unity, there's a difference. There's a difference. And you, special needs ministry can help that. Because you'll be dealing with people of all grade levels, all ages. And when you start this ministry, this is the funny part. Now, they've been doing fine in preschool, elementary, middle school, high school for years. Started special needs ministry. They call me so much. He took off his badge. He ran down the hallway, Monique, we need you. He won't sit down, Monique, we need you. I was like, what did y'all do for the last 12 years? <laughs> And they would call me on a Sunday morning, like come. And so that's why I realized, okay. And at that point, I had already built a relationship. So I went back and I developed a system. I developed something where you have to observe, you have to record, you have to schedule a time with me. And so I had to develop something because they were going to just, yeah, they were going to do a little too much of that. So next, the last one is establish. So space, location. Now, if you're doing a buddy system, then a lot of you are using ministry that is already there. I would encourage, if you can, to have a space though. It's so cool to watch the parents have a place to connect. So even if you have a desk 
or if you have something where the parents can get to know each other and not just, they, a lot of them still want to be, you know, not singled out, but a lot of them build so many relationships when they have a place where they drop off or where they gather. So I would encourage you on that. Another thing is having a sensory room. So if you don't have students who need it now, you probably haven't noticed it, but a lot of times when they get overstimulated, if you had a room where they can have a timer, a picture timer is what I encourage, and they go in there for 10, 15 minutes, you'll notice their temperament will be totally different. So having a space. The ministry structure is what we talked about. Buddy system, or are you going to do, we do what is called inclusion to belong. Inclusion is one thing. I can, you can invite me to come sit next to you and never talk to me. When I belong, that's different. You see me differently. I'm a part of that ministry. Inclusion is a lot of terms. I'm not saying anything's wrong with that term because they use it a lot in education. But there's a difference when you're talking about belonging. So we use inclusion to belong. A budget. Do you have any budget dollars? Is the pastor or anybody willing to give you budget dollars? Um, the environment. The environment is so key. We work really hard on having an environment that stays at a certain level. Now this is tricky when you're in a buddy system because you're going into other people's environments. You're going into preschool, you're going into elementary. So you have to build relationships where hopefully they'll let you start coming and training their teachers. Um, what we do is we don't follow the alphabet. What we do is we've gone ahead and we're preparing the environment. So right now we're preparing the environment. We have preschool contact all their volunteers and say, who wants to be a part of this? We need buy-in. Now, if we only get four teachers, that's going to be the best four teachers that we have because they are bought into what we want to do. So what we're trying to do is get a few teachers at each hour. Instead of just saying, his last name is Jay, go to Jay. That teacher is standing there like a deer in headlights, like, oh my goodness, and next thing you know, you know, there's a, there's a problem. It's very important sometimes to prepare the environment before you do it. Recruiting strategy, we're going to talk about that, and training. All right? Now, what are your next steps? Now, if you have the lead pastor buy-in, you're already ahead. That is such a key. Our lead pastor just so happens to have a granddaughter who has CP. And one of the things I think that helped is that the, the current, the condition of the ministry was at a point where I almost wanted to ask, would you bring your granddaughter? I never had to get to that point. But that was really close. And then I promise you, after we relaunched, she's been there several times. Um, because, again, that's the key. If you have the key, if you have a lead pastor buy-in, he's going to talk about it from the pulpit. He's going to support you financially. You're going to need a little bit. Even if you're not doing hundreds and thousands of dollars, you're going to need a little bit. Establish measurable goals. Measurable goals. But you got to have a flexible deadline. Flexible. Because things are going to change. Okay? The next one is secure a launch or a relaunch. Now, who has like a, a well-established... Anybody just came into a position with special needs or anything where it already was there, kind of like what I experienced? No? All right. Anybody have a, a ministry where, say for instance, after you leave this and you've thought about these stages and you've thought about, oh, we didn't brand, I don't have a name or, or a verse or a purpose statement. You might be thinking about all those things. If that's you and you do all of that, I would encourage you to relaunch the ministry. And what I mean is we had a ribbon cutting ceremony, we had it on video, we had the pastor come help cut the ribbon, we redid, even if you just clean up, you don't, may not have a lot of money to do a whole bunch of stuff, but if you want to really build that foundation and establish, especially if you are moving towards stage five, if you want to establish a new purpose for that ministry, I would encourage you to almost just restart it. Okay? And it's not where you're literally restarting it, but it's just kind of refreshing the vision. You're giving new purpose to the ministry. 
use the necessary tools to ensure the foundation is strong. And we've kind of talked about the foundation and the necessary tools. Let's see what I wrote here. There was something about the vision and the passion of that. All right, so here's the basic thing. If you're in here right now and you're like, okay, we don't have budget dollars, I don't have any space, but I have a passion for what God is calling me to. Here's the basics. The basic is to establish a buddy system. The basics, okay? The basics is you, you go with what you have right now. So say you've identified four students, okay? I would encourage you to find eight buddies. I'm gonna tell you why eight. Not to hurt any feelings, but if you're asking people to serve every Sunday, you're going to burn them out. So what we do is we have a first and third team and a second and fourth team. The cool thing about that is when someone on the first and third team is out, they can call someone on the second and fourth team to switch Sundays with them. Now, it does cause for your students to have more buddies, but you will have you will retain them longer. So think about it. You have four students. You have eight buddies. What you want to do is you want to find, if you're not able to train, and I'm going to give you some specific things to help you train, find someone in your, um, you have a lot of teachers that when they do it Monday through Friday, they're not coming on Sunday. They, they're like, no, you know, they're certified, they're wise, they have all this wisdom, go to them differently. Okay, I don't need you to commit to a Sunday, I just need your knowledge, I need your wisdom. Will you train? Will you teach these buddies? how to work with these students. All I need you to do is come in, and we have something, that I think I put it on here, called Mentor. No, it's in my next class. Um, we do mentors. So I ask these teachers who won't serve full time, just be a mentor. All I need you to do is come one Sunday, meet with this teacher, or coach is what we're doing it with, meet with this coach, teach the coach how to help those students, and then be available by, via phone. That's all I need you to do. If she, needs, she has a question or she can't figure something out, can she call you? Can she text you? So if they won't commit to serving because they're worn out at the end of the week, still pull that knowledge and tell them about it. That always works. How knowledgeable they are. How wise they are. You're so gifted and talented. We just need just a little bit of what you have. And I promise you a lot of them will commit to that. Versus you're saying, I need you every Sunday at 930. <laughs> That's a lot. Okay? So training. Your resources. Use what you have around you. So, I already mentioned building relationships with the other ministries. Go and prepare the environment first. Please do not just stick those students in rooms you have not prepared. Meet the chief, get some buy-in from the teachers who want to be a part of it. I love telling people at our church, it's okay to say that you're afraid or you're unsure or eh, I don't think that's for me. I would rather that student be with someone who wants them in there versus someone who's just doing it and they really don't, not sure how to interact. Guess what's gonna happen to that student? They're probably going to be sitting somewhere over on the side and not being equipped to be a disciple. So I would encourage you, even if you already have a buddy system, go back and look at it. Do you have buy-in from those teachers? Have, have they been trained on any strategies? Bring those certified teachers in and help them. One of my biggest passions is classroom management. I love teaching on classroom management because you have so many people who are willing to teach. And it's not any fault of theirs, but they've just never been trained how to do it, how to manage the classroom. So go back and... Train, build those resources. All right, so another verse that I'm not going to be able to go into depth and in, in deep into this, but recruiting is such a key to this when we're talking about those eight buddies. I did um, this particular training I did at Orange Conference, and I was talking about how John 1, it was just again, again, whenever I get ready to teach, I go to the Word and I'm looking. God, show me in your Word how to do this. And so in John 1, Recruiting 
is evident. Listen to this. So it started, says, there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. I don't have the time. I'm going to keep up with the time. Sorry. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. That's one part of that. All right, so John is a witness. Okay? The next day, nope, go back. Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent you. And I'm cutting this in short. I'm going to try to just give you what I got in a little bit of here. John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice. I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord. There was an event coming. And John's job was to prepare them to know who Jesus was when he showed up. That was his job. Okay. Now the next thing that happened, I love this. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So now he's pointing to them. He's showing them. There's Jesus. Here he comes. Look, look, get ready. Right? Here's the recruiting part. This is the part when God showed me this. I was like, oh my goodness. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. What did John do? He recruited. John was on his own. He had an assignment to be a witness and to be the voice. He was training people. He was showing them, that's Jesus. Look, look. And by the next time he came, two more was with him. He was recruiting. If we could learn to recruit like John, I'm going to show you something in a moment. Okay, here's the last part. When the two disciples, remember he brought two with him, they heard him say this. Wait, let me go back. John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. Guess what? This time, the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. John's job was done. He recruited them, he prepared them, and they followed who they were supposed to follow. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi which means teacher, where are you staying? And Jesus says, come, and I will show you. Come and see. So Jesus, John is the voice. The next time he came, he had two disciples. And when Jesus passed by, he said, look, he pointed the way. We're going to talk about recruiting. So identify the voice. Who's the voice of the ministry that you're in? And when I say that, that means a lot of things. You might have youth. Anybody work with, we start with sixth grade, believe it or not. I learned that from other leaders. Because if you start with those who are a lot older in high school, for a lot of them, you're only going to have them for one or two years. After you invest all that training in them, they're going to graduate from high school and move away from college, move away to college. So we start with sixth graders, but they have to come and we have to observe them working with the student. They, have, they must have a certain maturity level. Okay? Senior adults. We have a lot of senior adults in our ministry or in our church who feel that they're not valued and they don't have a, a place. A lot of them tell me, we can't chase kids, Monique. We can't chase them. I said, listen, I just need you to love on the parents. I just need you to be there so they can have someone to talk to. 
Okay, so you have, what about your pastor? Your pastor's the voice. The voice means, think about what John was doing. The voice means that they can speak on behalf of your ministry. They can speak on behalf of what you're recruiting for, and they're going to connect with people in a different way. So if you've got youth talking to youth, you think that's different from me talking to you? If you have a youth in your ministry who goes back and tells friends how awesome or how much fun they had, even though they got bit, they got hit, they got kicked, they had a good time, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to bring more youth with them. If you have, let's say, a retired, retired from education, we have um, one of our ladies, one of the things God confirmed on too, when I started this position, two ladies that I met in Cherokee County retired the same year and they were sped facilitators. They are both training, They're, they train for us, and one of them is a coach for us. And that is the kind of people who can go talk to other teachers. So listen to what I'm saying about the voice. The voice speaks and certain people are going to hear. Because if a teacher goes and talks to another teacher, that's going to be different from me going and saying, hey, I need some help and thrive. Here's a teacher who is tired, because she's worked Monday through Friday too, unless she's retired, and she's saying, hey, but it's different. This is what they say. I'm not trying to force them to write and read. I'm having fun. We get to do art. We have karaoke. So it's different. Okay? So identify the voice. Once you identify the voices of your ministry, people who can speak on behalf of your ministry, you're going to 3E the voice. 3E. You're going to encourage them. You're going to talk to them about their gifts and their talents and their insight that they bring to the ministry. You're going to encourage them. Okay? Because you've got to build them up. So when you send them out in a moment, I'm going to show you something, they're going to be ready to speak on your behalf, on the ministry's behalf. Even if you're a startup ministry, guys, if you have some parents who have bought into the vision of what you've shared, because go back, your foundation is that you're going to have this vision ready to be caught. So if you share this with some families, and they go out and they share with more families, or if you share this with, say, again, say if it's just your pastor. If your pastor catches that and they can be the voice for that ministry, that's powerful. Okay, so you're going to encourage the people who you've identified as the voice. You're going to establish, share what being the voice of the ministry means. So I gave, once I identified the voice, I gave them, I did, I gave them specific tasks, and I'm going to show you that in a moment. And I told them, being the voice means when you speak on behalf of our ministry, you're going to talk about, first of all, how I gave them three things. You're going to talk about how did you get started in the ministry. Okay, what were you doing before that? What caught your attention about the ministry? Since you've been in the ministry, how has, how has it changed you? How has it affected you? And then three, I want you to talk to them about how they can get involved, how they can make a difference. So you're going to establish with them what it means to be the voice. Because you can't just send them out there and say, talk about anything. You want them specifically having the right things to say. And I'm going to show you a picture of that in a moment. And then you want to equip them by practicing being the voice. Okay? Now, once you have the voice, you're going to be strategic. This is a cool thing. If you plan some events, anybody have some really cool events? Anybody do Tim Tebow Night Shine or involved with that? Anybody have another dance or anything that they do? Vacation Bible School. Um, even in Vacation Bible School, if your voice is strategic and they're walking around that ministry purposely, you, you've equipped them to go and say, hey, what do you do on Sunday mornings? You know, a couple of years ago, I was just sitting in the, in the worship center doing nothing. And I realized, you know, God should be using my, my gifts and my talents. So they're being specific. They're being strategic. Your voice will talk when you're not talking. So again, think about what I'm saying. Think about John. John was the voice. He was preparing people to see the ministry. The event was that Jesus was coming, and they need to know and what he looked like and be able to identify him. Okay? So we have an event, and this came directly from John 1. I love when God showed me this. 
Jesus was awesome at training and recruiting. Because the thing about Jesus was that he wasn't just going to talk to them. What did he tell them to do? Come and see. A lot of times you don't learn unless you're involved in it. You have to come and see it. I'm going to show you that come and see. We do a sensory-friendly worship experience. So when our bigger sanctuary is being used, we get to use the chapel. We bring the lights down low. Um, we turn the music. We have um, music that's nice and soft. And the students get to use the entire chapel. The parents get to worship with their parents. I mean the parents. The students get to worship with their parents. And we, have an, a, and we create an experience. Okay? And our parents love it. We do the night shine dance. We have a ministry-focused Sunday. The entire Sunday morning was um, focused on our ministry. And our students were in the choir. They were ushers. They did, um, they were ushers. They took up the money. What else they do? One other thing. Greeters. They were greeters and ushers, and then they were in the choir. We brought off the entire ministry at each hour, so everybody could experience what we always experience. And then we haven't done the talent show yet, but that's something I want to do. I'm going to show you, go back for a second, hold on. I'm going to show you an example of how you equip the voice, okay? Let's see if I can get it back. Hi, I'm Lindsay, and um, I have been working with Bri probably about two years now. Um, I saw the video in church, and um, I had just been praying about, you know, how can I be involved in church? What area is going to best suit me? Um, and as being a speech therapist, um, I already had a passion for students with special needs and their families and just um, interacting with them. So when I saw the Thrive video, I just knew that's what I want to do. So I came to a place in my life where I really wanted to follow Jesus. And um, the Holy Spirit had really led me to understand that serving others was paramount, was, was very, very important. So I really diligently prayed for guidance on where I should serve in the church. Uh, the opportunity came to volunteer with the Tim Tebow Night to Shine event. And I gotta tell you, God knows what he's doing because after that, I was hooked. Um, after that, I joined Thrive Ministry and I met a lot of awesome people who really just wanted to serve other people and show them the love of Jesus in a tangible way. Hi, my name is Amy, and I'm a Thrive volunteer that came to Thrive because of the passion of my son who was involved. I was serving in another ministry um, out of need, and after seeing my son for a couple of years come home with all the excitement that he had serving in Thrive, I just felt a tug on my heart that I should probably come see what it's about. And I developed a passion to see the kids that I work with really be able to participate as fully as possible in um, their activities and um, just to be as independent as possible in what we do. Uh, walking into the Thrive Suite oh, no. for the first time, I was a little, little, little nervous. Uh, I didn't know. Oh, no, I don't think I can skip it. I'm not going to play the whole thing, but I want you to identify something. So the first one was. Um, Lindsay, she was a speech therapist. therapist. The second one was um, Stuart, who volunteered for the dance at the Nightshine experience. And then the third one is a parent who came because of her son. Okay? So those three voices were identified. There's a part in this video, I'm not going to show you where um, 
I taught them how to exactly what to say. It's right here. So they wear a sticker that says, ask me who I am. It's real funny. They're standing in the middle of the hallway and it says, ask me who I am. And they said, people are walking by like, mm, I don't know. You know, I don't know. You know, so we're, and then they have specific. I told them exactly what to say, but it's with their own. You see how they were talking about their experience? So they're going to greet them and give their name. They ask their name. They repeat it. Make sure you do that. And then you testify. What did John do? John 1, what did he do? He testified, he was a witness. They are your witness. So they talked about who are you as it relates to Thrive? How did you come to Thrive? How has your experience been? And then this is the key that Jesus showed me and that I use on this particular Sunday. They say, come and see. So in the ministry, we've already set up this day that we, we go right between services and if they catch you in the hallway and you have a minute, they're going to bring you to see the ministry right then. Because if you wait and say, oh, I'll, I'll give you my number, maybe we'll do it next time, a lot of times it's not going to happen. So they'll say, do you want to come and see? Come on, do you want to come and see? And they'll bring them to the ministry right then. This is a very unique, unique way of recruiting. Because not only have they have a personal connection with the voice, now they're going to see it with their eyes. And so they bring them through the ministry, they, tell, they show them all of our rooms, they talk about the ministry, and you know we have to feed them, so we have a little place where there's food, and then we say, hey, the last part, um, would you like someone from Thrive to contact you? So a come and see event, any event, be intentional. Have your voice there, and that voice connect with people, and if there's an opportunity, they see the ministry. Now, if you're in, if you're doing the buddy system and they're in other rooms, if you've gone back and you've built that foundation, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with going back, guys, and really looking at, have we, done, have we established this well? Is, it, is that foundation strong to withstand any type of behavior that comes in there? Okay? So go back and look at that. But even if you have that set up, the voice can still be there to speak and to show people what happens in that room. Right? So here's some events. The first one is come and see. Here's a youth, and guess who he's talking to? A youth. Dad just so happened to be there. So we might get both, might get one, but he can connect with that young man because he's a youth. In the middle is our sensory friendly worship, and then we do something called say yes. I have the cards up here that you all can see. It's a, um, a commitment to saying yes to serving the next year. So these are all types of events that we do. Can you tell us more about the sensory worship? So the sensory worship, again, we have two buildings. So I think they have, we have two, or if you have a big space, a big open space. And on that particular Sunday, why worship, so we have simulcasts in one of our buildings. So what we did is we took over the first part of that service, and we had our own musicians, which was very calming music. We brought down the lights. And the cool thing is the students were running all, all around the chapel. Some of them were. We brought Legos in there. We brought puzzles because it's our service. It's the special needs service. And so parents are in there with their kids. Some of them had never sat in a service with their children. Never. And so the environment is where they can be free to be themselves. And then I guarantee you when the simulcast started and the pastor started to speak, it was, it was just the Holy Spirit. It was so calm. They got a chance to watch the service with their kids. If they needed to get up and walk with their kids while they were watching, it was totally free. So that sensory-friendly worship is set up to be sens sensitive to those who have light issues, sound issues, that kind of thing. Does that kind of answer that? And then you can do it in a room. I mean, it depends on how big it is. But some of those parents have never been able to sit in a service with their, with their students. 
be intentional. Now, night to shine, this is the red carpet. And being intentional for us is relationship building, giving people an opportunity to interact. When you have an event, you have people who will volunteer for something like this one day, and they'll have an experience like Stuart had, and they will be hooked. That's what he said. You have to create these opportunities. Whatever event you're having, even if you don't have an established ministry separate, if you're having an event like we talked about with those three or four kids that you have, that means that whenever there's an event at the church, I, my thing about that is they have to be accessible. VBS, we do a full VBS special needs. If there's camp, we work on that. If there is something going on, you make sure there's an opportunity for those students to be present and for people to interact with them to build relationships. Don't be afraid. I know sometimes we're worried that they're going to do something. Um, have the right buddies trained with them. And I believe that even when students interact and, you know, maybe the behavior doesn't go the way you, people learn from that. People learn that we are different. We're not, a lot of times our students are communicating. They just communicate in a different way. All right? Now, recruiting still. You're going to call out from among you. Identify some needs. Now, here's our structure really, 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 really quick. So, coaches. Coaches are usually certified educators, OT, PTs. And what we call Thrive is a team, okay? So in a team, you have a coach. The coach calls the plays. The coach knows the moves and what to do and what not to do. Well, we started having a lack of coaches because, again, those teachers don't want to commit. Some of them don't want to commit to that Sunday morning. So we started doing something called CITs, which is coaches, coaches in training. And what I did is I watched. You know how you have those dedicated volunteers who are there all the time? They want to learn. They're always asking you questions. Those are potential leaders. So what we did then is we pulled those certified teachers in as mentors. Even those coaches have on their badge coaches in training. So people know, be patient, right? And so we identified coaches in training. I also reach out to Kennesaw because a lot of those students need um, hours. They need different things, beta club. Um, we have something called Serve Sunday where our um, young adults, call it, I think it's 18 to 29, they shut down on a fourth Sunday and everybody serves in that whole ministry. And it's not just in our ministry, they go to preschool, they go to elementary, that's another thing. Small groups who don't really want to get involved as far as being there in the ministry, we just had a volunteer appreciation where another small group paid for all the food, they did everything. All I had to do was get inflatables. So sometimes you can find small groups of people who are they're a little nervous around students with special needs. Always let people know there are other ways to get involved. Okay, so this is your recruiting piece to go back and think about how to do it differently. Even if you're only starting with those two or three kids, that's a good place to start. I wish I could have started there. I started with a full ministry and had to go in and kind of change a few things. But if you're starting really small, this is a chance to build that foundation. Get the right training, get everybody moving in the right stage so that you can have that renewed vision. Okay, so training from vision, I've kind of talked about that. Um, we talked about planning, who needs to train, um, who needs to be trained, where are you going to train. Okay, how many people do ongoing training? Has it been a situation where, you know, sometimes we just need volunteers so bad, we just plug them in. We've all been there. It's not safe. But how many of you have ongoing training where um, they train more than one time a year? Anybody do anything like that? You do? Okay. What about, um, here's something that's really cool, it's called a huddle. Remember, our group is called a team. So 15 minutes before, on probably a couple of Sundays, 
we meet for 15 minutes and it's high energetic. Sometimes I bring in a parent who just tells them how valuable they are, how much it means to watch their kids. But that's a good piece to just train on one thing, like cell phone use. Maybe you have a tidbit, 15 minutes, every time you meet in that huddle, everybody knows you're gonna learn a 101. You're gonna learn something in that. So ongoing training. Um, identify what type of training is needed. So we use a lot of things. I'm gonna leave all these up here, but one thing we use is a traffic light. And this traffic light has a, even though you're just dealing with the basic colors of a traffic light, it has, these are the main things that go with it. So students need to use nice hands, kind words, walking feet, and good listening. So if you're using those four things and we talk to them about what those four things are, then you can stay on green. So when it starts to kind of move, our, so basically what I'm saying is I have to train on this. Anything that you're using should have some type of training. Don't just, okay, here you go, read it. You should be training because you need to keep everybody like-minded and all moving in the same direction. Okay, so if you're using anything that deals with behavior, anything that deals with picture schedules, you should always take a moment, some type of way. I've started using Zoom, if anybody's used that, where I, I'm going to be training just via, in a, via over the phone. I can talk to them through my computer. They can see me. I can see them. And so that's a good way to get people in that don't want to come in a lot of times for training. All right? The next thing, too, I put down there is your budget for training. But that's why you get people to buy in, certified teachers to help you with that. That can be free. Now, I'm going to show you really quick because I'm going to move faster. Here are some things that I love, and this is moving. I'm going to tell you some things that are affordable and some things that are very expensive. All right, so bright threads, believe it or not, this whole system is $10. And I'm going to show you exactly where to get it and what it looks like. I've used it for BBS training. I've used it for Sunday morning training, and I paid $10 for the videos. Bright threads. CPI is not $10. I paid, I am a facilitator. I've been trained after a couple of thousand dollars. I do CPI training. I do train on what is a non-violent interaction. I teach holding. I teach disengagement. I teach how to recognize anxiety. So that is not so reasonable. Together conferences at Mount Perrin in Atlanta, and right now, up until, I think I have it on my calendar, you can pay for your people to go for $40. This is probably about as reasonable as this one. We do Orange Conference and we spend about $300, $400 per person. So we're down to just staff. And honestly, it's just me as a director and then I have an associate. So we can kind of afford that. But these are three things, and since you have the PowerPoint, you have it there. We're going to take a closer look. For $10, guys, this is what I get. You see this? Session one, learning to communicate. Two, responding to meltdowns. Three, managing classroom challenges. Four, practicing communities. Now, I take these and I do add components to it, okay? But some of you, you may not have to. depends on who you're working with. But I do add different things to it. I add visuals. I add things that I, I have them fill out. I, I made some um, kind of like a book. <coughs> this is what CPI looks like. If you've never seen it, this is the, the gist of what it is. A lot of times you're dealing with anxiety. It, t it teaches you how to be supportive. When you're dealing with defensive, it teaches you how to be directed. Um, risk behavior, it teaches you physical interventions. Um, tension reduction, therapeutic report. So this is what CPI looks like if you were just glancing at it. Um, again, it's very expensive. Unfortunately, I thought it would be great that I could go and help train other school churches and do all that. Um, I am going to try to see if I can do it within under the, you know, um, Southern Baptist. 
But right now, it's really strict. I'm tied to First Baptist Woodstock. I have to have some kind of agreement because I have to be able to watch you at some capacity if you're using these strategies. But if you can find a way to afford it, it's very, it's very good, but it can be almost a 12-hour training. Right now, I do it once a year. Well, you have to take it once a year on a Saturday, and I do it from 9 to 3. So you have to have buy-in for that. Not everybody wants to do that. All right, so the who. Really quick, because we're done. Let's think about the who. Look back at those stages really quick. Who are the others with you? So there was four of them tearing through this roof, making this opening. Are you by yourself? Anybody feel like they're by themselves? You got some more people with you shaking your hands? Okay, to tell me. I was by myself. Believe me, I was. It took a long time for them to even think that what I was saying, I, I, I didn't need to be in special needs. That, that's what they were thinking. But if you're who's with you, okay, who? What stage are all of you all on? So if it's two of you, and you're being that voice right now, you're the witness, I want you to think about what stage are you on. I want you to pray as you go back, how can I move along these stages? Because if you go back with that stage five in your mind, you're going to revolutionize that ministry. Because there are so many people who are not on that stage five and they're just babysitting. They're just holding them, keeping them still. They'll pop in any type of movie. They'll give them anything to color. They'll feed them too much. But you go back with that stage five in your mind, you are going to make a difference in that ministry. You have to go back. Even if you don't do a real physical relaunch, it's going to cause you to rethink what you've done. Okay? The next one is why. Why are you doing it? Why are you even sitting in this room? Why? Why are you sitting in this room? The Great Commission, making the gospel accessible, relationships with the goal of being equipped as co-laborers. The Great Commission tells all of us to do what you're sitting in here doing right now. It's just that so many people don't want to pick up that mantle of taking it to the world, taking it to everybody, no matter if they can walk, talk, see, all diagnosed with autism, ADHD, all this other stuff. It said to teach the word and the gospel to everyone and to take it into the entire world. All right? Now, how can be challenging for some of us. And I've given you a lot of information. But I really just want you to start with that prepare. Even if you're already actively in it, go back and look at it. Look at the back of that card I gave you. And if you made a card for your ministry today, would you be able to clearly articulate what has brought you to this class? Would you be able to grab someone at Walmart and say, partner with families, build relationships, create an environment. What, is your, what, is, what words are God in your ministry? What's in you? Why are you here? How are you going to do it? What are your next steps? All right? So, not long, but I am here. The questions. <laughs> and don't be afraid to say it. Please don't. Or you can talk to me on the side, honestly. I have questions for you. So your ministry is not the voting system. Your ministry is the same. Good question. So this is this is where we are. We do what is called, to me, some people say a reverse. So think about it. We have students in our ministry who are serving as buddies who are 11 years old. Because okay. we started sixth grade. Most of our students, even though they're in that suite, 
They are surrounded by individuals who are fluent in language, who are friends, and they're just a little bit taller than them. You can't, be, you can't work with anyone who's taller than you. So we've kind of caused that inclusion to belong to happen in the suite. Now, what we did in these last two years is we've kind of grown to learn, we've learned those students, which is key. A lot of times if you can wait and kind of have a situation where you can learn the students, then you can take them out a lot better. So now we're going ahead and we're preparing the environment. So what we're doing now is we're talking to preschool and we're talking to elementary. <coughs> so our goal now is to start moving. We've identified probably about 12 additional students. We already have some that go out. And we have gone out. Remember, we're identifying where they're going to go ahead of time. I'm actually teaching in elementary on the twin, whatever the last Sunday in this month is. I'm teaching on classroom management. I'm doing it strategically. Because a lot of the times, your buddy system is going to fall apart and they're going to be overstimulated if they go into a room and there's no structure. If there are, there are no, what I'm going to teach them, uh, some of them don't use things like picture schedules. I'm going to teach them to have this posted in your room. Can that student look at the wall and say, okay, snack is next. All right, the teacher's going to teach, and then I'm going home. You know, whatever it is. I'm going to teach, and this is not just, this is for every student. This is beneficial to every student. It's not just students with special needs. They've okay? got picture schedules. They've so, all been in there, in that wing, though, and so now. Not all. We do have a few that are already out. And so now you are putting them, placing them back in that group setting mm -hmm. with these materials and the buddy. And training with the buddy and the coach. That's another key. They are not alone. So we have coaches who will be um, moving around the hall. So if we take them into two or three rooms in preschool, we have people who are going to be trained to be there for support. The goal is to decrease as much overstimulations, to have strategies in place so that the experience will be great. Because you know what's going to happen. A lot of times when you take your students out from that security of your environment, um, for instance, when a, when a student starts to scream and yell and you got people around them that you have not prepared, they all try to jump in and help. What happens to that student? It gets worse. Then they leave with so many negative ideas. Have you ever been around that where they say, oh my, I knew we shouldn't have done that. That was terrible. Did you see how he was screaming? Not realizing that's his form of communication. He does not talk like you. He's frustrated, so therefore he's running. So if you can go ahead and prepare people and help them to understand we all communicate differently, that's going to help that experience because it's going to affect how you are seen within those ministries too. That's why you got to go ahead and prepare. you got to meet with those leaders, try to go ahead and, and find the teachers who want to be a part of it. I'm going to invite them to those trainings on classroom management. I'm going to talk to them personally. We have a lot of parents who are just ready. Monique, can we just take them out? And I'm saying, slow down. Just give us another month. Let me make sure it's still not going to be, you, you, you're still going to have things that happen. Mm -hmm. But we want to make every effort to make it a good experience. Right. So yes, we're move, we have some that already go. This, they were going already. We have a few students who are out. Um, we have some in college ministry. We have a few in elementary ministry. But we've never done it as a whole, let's go. So that's, that's what's different. Yes. Anything else? That last page is really good, and we're done. I gave you every resource that I can think of that um, included my information. But the five stages where I got that from, I gave you the information about Together Conference, about CPI. I gave you the website for Bright Threads Ministry. And I actually bought the download part. I didn't buy the actual hard copies of it, and I can move it around my space. I have it on my flash drive. I use it in all different places. 
Um, that video I showed you all, um, some of you all saw that came from Therapy. It's in Canton. They are an awesome resource because they do music therapy and sometimes they can come and do really cool things. One thing too I didn't mention, we are there on Wednesday nights. I chose not to do a wanna inquire and just did not fit for our students, but we do respite on Wednesday nights. And then I gave you the orange conference information. Alright? So if a question comes up later that you did not want to ask out loud, feel free to email me, okay? And just ask me that question. I promise you I get all kinds of questions. Because this is this is a very unique situation. Can we pray really quick before you leave? Alright. Lord God, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to get to do so many things that some of us just thought we would never be doing. Lord, you have equipped everyone in this room to do what it is you sent them here to do. And so I pray, Lord God, that they will leave just, even though it's so much information, give them the foundation that they need to just establish what it is you want accomplished wherever they are in their ministries. And Father, whatever questions they might have, whatever concerns, whatever stage that they're on, just show them, Lord God, that we are all creating your image. We're all in need of a Savior, and we are all to be disciples. And so we praise you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.